Amen. Amen. Will you guys take a seat? Um, it's cold, so if you need to like cozy up to someone, we're good with it, okay? We know it's cold out. My name is Daniel Polk, and I serve as our college director here, which means I have the privilege of getting to shepherd a whole bunch of UT students. Um, truth be told, I didn't actually go to UT. Uh, I had to do the hard work that no one wants to do of going to school in sunny Malibu, California at Pepperdine University. And no joke, like the hard work was as a freshman from your dorm room, you can see the ocean. So it's like, am I going to study today or am I going there? That's the hard work. It was spoiling. And from there, I did a program called Teach for America. I was a school teacher for about four years, served as an assistant principal. So, like, no joke, my job was to, like, walk around the hallways, correct behavior, discipline. When things hit the fan in a teacher's classroom, guess whose office they came to? Mr. Polk's. You better believe it. Um, And from there, uh, my wife and I, Dylan, so we got married during that time, and God was just putting on our heart a desire to serve his church And so we had followed the Austin Stone. We had seen this church and the mission and vision that God was doing through this church from afar. And we thought, man, that's what we want to be a part of. So we moved down here. And each year, God has made that more and more clear to us. So this morning, you and I find ourselves at the end of one year and at the beginning of a new year. This is typically a time for us to set goals. We set resolutions. We look ahead and As a church, usually at this time what we do is we talk about what is it going to look like for you and for me to be inside this book every single day of the year to come. It's a big ask. What's it going to look like for us to actually stay in this book for the coming year, for 2018? And honestly, when I hear these types of sermons, I leave pretty amped up. I leave thinking, dude, I am all in. I'm doing this. 2018, here we come. This is going to be the year I read this thing cover to cover, watch, and then January 1st hits. And if you were to read my journal, like my taking notes from the Bible, it would look like I had just the most epic, beautiful time with Jesus. It's just me, Jesus, my coffee. I'm sitting there and I'm writing this long journal entry, right? January 2nd hits, the entry starts to get a little smaller. January 3rd, smaller, smaller. And about a week in, days just completely go missing. About a month in, you'll see whole weeks disappear. And then probably around somewhere mid-February or March, my Bible reading has completely stopped somewhere mid-Leviticus, about that time frame. And typically, here's what my thought process goes. You know what I need? I need a new app. I need like a better app to give me a better Bible reading plan. That was the problem. Or it's like, I'm just not a morning person. I just need to set two alarms this time. I need to be more self-disciplined. I need to get up like my wife. So confession, my wife consistently gets up way more than I do early, like 5.30 a.m. You do not have to tell her. She's up out of bed and she is going for a run because she loves to run. I am like the complete opposite. So if you were to tell me I had to go for a run or I had to do a workout, I am actively looking for distractions to keep me from going there. I'm like looking around thinking like, that light bulb looks a little dim, probably should be replaced, right? Or the garage, probably is a good time to organize this. And for us, what I realized is, for Dylan and I, we're different, but we're willing to do all kinds of things for things we love. 
So Dylan, again, she'll run. She loves that. You don't have to tell her to clear her schedule. She's doing it. For me, I love the San Antonio Spurs. I love them. Thank you. Go Spurs, go. Here we are. But what I realize is I am willing to clear my schedule. I'm willing to set reminders on my phone. I will follow the Spurs from afar. If I can't stream it, I'm following the stats. But we're willing to do things that we love. This is not just true for Dylan and I. This is true for all of us. So think about a middle school boy, which I, I know isn't like normally what we think about. But think about a middle school boy. Go with it. You do not have to tell him that he needs to play some video games. He's getting up and he's playing. You don't have to tell a high school girl that she should probably check Snapchat or Instagram maybe one more time. Who knows? I mean, something could have happened in that short minute. And what I realized, though, is, man, we are a people who, when we're into something, we're willing to give it time. We're willing to give it effort. We're willing to give it consistency. And today, Jesus wants to show us from the word that we're going to read that coming to this book is really no different. That you and I coming to the Bible and actually spending time in it daily, the fix is not getting a new app. It's not getting a, a better Bible reading plan or setting two alarms. No, because the problem for you and I goes far deeper. The problem is at our desire level. We don't actually want the word in the way that Jesus calls us to. So that's a problem. But I want you to hear right from the get-go of this. If we are to want God's word for the right reasons, then we're going to need to learn to want it for the same thing that Jesus wants. So you and I typically think about this book in ways where, honestly, we could just come to it. If We'd be happy if we just get up early, open it, and we get an encouraging word for the day and feel like, man, I'm good. But for Jesus, his invitation to us this morning is for much more than just getting something Jesus' invitation for us this morning is to get someone. That's what I want you to see this morning, is that it's not primarily coming to the Bible, it's just to get something. It's to get someone. Jesus' offer for us is to have himself through his word. Open up your Bibles if you have a phone, or if you want to watch on the screen behind me, the, the verses will be there as well. John 8.31 is the text we'll be in this morning. It says this, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, if you've ever been on the campus of UT, then the last half of this verse should feel very familiar to you, because written in bold on the UT tower is the last half of the, the verse. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But this morning, I want to begin by calling us to the first half of this verse. Look again at the first half of John eight thirty one, and I want you to notice how Jesus describes his word, how he describes his disciples. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. So notice... Who does the word belong to? Him. Notice who are the disciples following? Him. The reason you and I should come to God's word is not for something. It's for someone. The reason we come to God's word is for Christ, for Jesus himself. And 
we might think, yeah, I believe that. Daniel, I get it. The Bible's about Jesus. That's, that's why I read it. But functionally, the way you and I think about Bible reading, it doesn't really connect with the person of Jesus most of the time. Usually, we'd be pretty content with just getting something from it. The way I thought about it was, do you remember like the magic eight balls when you're a kid and you have like the magic eight ball and you sit there and you kind of ask it, you know, questions and I remember being there and thinking, okay, I need to ask this the most important, critical life question. Does this girl like me? And so I would take the eight ball and I would shake it and I would look at it and it would say something like, concentrate, ask again. And I would be like, okay, here we go, we're doing this. So I would take it, I would think, I would think really hard, does this girl like me, does this girl like me? And I would look and it would say something like, outlook not so good. To which I received as, so you're saying there's a chance right? Maybe all I need to do is just reframe my question. Uh, So does she have feelings for me? And I'll look at it and I'll say something like very doubtful. Now, you and I can treat the word of God similarly in the way that sometimes we'll come to it and we'll have this like life question of like, God, I'm just at a crossroads. What's your will for me, God? And we're looking and you might think, well, that's silly. I don't I don't do that, Daniel. I use my concordance. So I'll go to God's will. And I'm like, okay, well, God's will, let's find a verse. And it says something like, God's will is that you abstain from sexual immorality. You're like, what? That's not at all what I'm looking for. So you're looking for another verse. Or you might even think, man, I just need to ask it a, uh, a question like, uh, there's, God, do you have a job for me out there? There's a new job opportunity. Am I taking this or not, God? So you're looking, you're like, okay. The Israelites, they took over in this battle a new territory. God? (laughs) We doing this or what? It sounds silly, but oftentimes we can treat our Bible that way. And the Bible is not a magic eight ball. If you're only coming to the Bible to get something and not someone, then you have missed the point of coming to the Bible entirely. And this is actually a problem for us because we like treating the Bible like it's an object because for us objects aren't accountable we're not accountable to it if you think about an object it exists to meet our desires we don't exist to meet the object's desires or the object is accountable to kind of meet our needs but we don't exist to meet its needs so it'd be much easier if there was no person behind the Bible but Jesus makes it clear for us here If you love my word, if you abide in it, then I'll know you love me. I'll know you're a disciple of me. Which is a hard thing for Jesus to say when he says, if. Because if your Bible reading looks anything like mine, you're like, oh, dang, Jesus, why'd you say that? If. That is a bad word to put right there. If you abide in my word, you're truly one of my disciples. So what Jesus is saying is, if you love my word, you love me. If you're bored with my word, you're bored with me. If you're amazed by my word, you're actually amazed by me. The thing I was realizing too is, it's one thing to treat an object like, hey, meet my need, and then you can set it aside. But you can't do that with a person. You can't expect a person to try to meet your needs and then immediately discard them, because that's not loving the person. That's just using them. So hear this, especially for those of you who are good at getting up early and reading your Bibles. There is actually a way for you to read your Bible every single day and completely miss the point. 
if you are coming to your Bible and your primary reason is just to get something from it for you, and it's primarily about you, not about Jesus, you're missing it. If you're primarily expecting the Bible to revolve around your desires and not revolve around Christ's desires, something's off. You're missing the point of coming to the word. So listen to what Jesus says in John 5, 39 through 40. He says this, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life is a wild scripture because what's happening here is they were super acquainted with the scriptures. They knew them well, but they didn't know Jesus, nor did they want to. They wanted a something, not someone. And this has to be the first thing that shifts if we're ever going to be a people who actually want to come to the word of God in 2018 every day. It has to start with us being a people who want the word for the right reasons, namely for the who that it's meant to connect us to, Jesus. So secondly, I want you to see how to actually build a relationship with Jesus. So this is all about who, connecting us to Christ. But what Jesus tells us in this verse, which we're looking at here in a second, is the way you do this is through the word. This is how you build a relationship with me. Look again at John 8.31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, You are truly my disciples. So every time Jesus is using this word abide, it's being translated from this Greek word meno, which means to stay in something, to live in it, to root yourself in it, to not move past it. Which is, again, a hard thing for us to hear because even right now, if you're like totally bored and totally checked out, you could take out your phone and just kind of put your thumb on it and be on to the next thing. You can immediately preoccupy yourself with something. That's, we, we live in a world full of digital distractions. And if you and I are going to be the kind of people that Jesus calls us to, to abide in this word, to live in it, to stay in it, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to stay in it even when we're tired. We're going to have to remain in it even when it calls us to hard things. So this is something to stay in something, to remain in it. It requires discipline and it requires effort. And hear me say this, to spend time, effort, consistency in something or with someone, man, like at first when I hear those words, time, effort, consistency, to stay in it, that sounds like a lot of duty. It sounds like a lot of discipline, which are words we don't love. But when you think about Someone you love, so think back, think back to when you were falling in love with someone. When, if someone were to tell you, hey, you have to spend time with this person, and you were falling in love with them, where the thought process is going through your head going, gosh, here we go again. We're going to have to do another date night. We're going to have to sit down. We're going to have to look each other in the eye. We're going to have to ask questions. We're going to have to listen to each other. When you're falling in love with someone, spending time with them is delight. When you're falling in love with someone and you love them, giving effort, getting creative over how can I clear my schedule just to be with this person is a joy to you. It's something that we look forward to. And the reverse is also true. How sad would it be if I came up to Dylan, my wife, and I was like, hey, babe, listen, now that we're married, um, 
I'm pretty good with kind of where our relationship's at. Uh, no, how about this? No more date nights. I feel like I'm pretty content, right, where we're at. No more conversation. I'll bring home the bacon. How about it? And then you bring home, you can actually do the laundry, something like that. We'll kind of come up with a relationship that's built off of I give something, you give something. That would be incredibly, incredibly sad. But here's the thing. You and I treat Jesus like this. The Bible says that you have been wed with Christ. He's a person. If you believed on Jesus, you've been united with him. So think about how that relationship's going. Jesus, hey, you keep doing the spiritual laundry, man. That helps me a ton. Thank you, Jesus. But I am so busy. Do you know how busy I am? I I know you do. Thank you for just letting me be over here and do my thing. You just keep doing your thing. And Jesus, if I'm like in trouble or something's going on, I'll check in on you. uh, And I'll, I'll ask for your help then, but only then. Which is why I want you to see why Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you're truly one of my disciples. If you abide in my word, you're truly one of my disciples. What Jesus is getting at is he's saying your value of a relationship determines how much time, effort, and consistency you're actually willing to do. When you love someone, you're willing to give them those things. So what I want to do is I want to just kind of hit each of those things. Time, effort, and consistency. If we're to love Jesus and actually come to his word for the right reason, for someone, not something, what's it going to look like to give him time? So think about... Your mornings. When does your spouse get up? When are, do your kids, when are they up? When do you, if you're a roommate, you have a roommate, when are they up? Get up before them. Spend half an hour with Jesus in his word. It's going to take time. It's not just a quick open the Bible, read a verse, be done, and move on. Spend half an hour with Jesus in his word every morning. And here's why I say morning and not evening. Uh, think about like, dude, if you skip a meal, man, things go, at least for me, things go bad for the rest of my day. If I skip breakfast, I get hangry quick. You know what hangry is? Hungry, angry, put them together. I get hangry super fast because I need a meal to feed me. And what happens is with Jesus, he calls coming to his word daily bread. So if you get up and you skip Jesus, Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to work. You're going to go to your family and you're going to interact with them. And you're going to expect them to fill you in ways that only Jesus can. You need to do this in the morning. Find half an hour every morning to be with Jesus, to be filled by him, to be reminded, gosh, God, you're in control. I don't have to be. God, you approve of me. I don't need to go seek my approval from people. Find half an hour every morning to be with Jesus. Secondly, effort. It's going to take effort. When you get up in the morning, you're going to feel foggy. It's going to be like, oh gosh, remind me why I'm doing this again. I need coffee. There's so much stuff. I have tasks I got to get to. It's going to take effort to sit and to meditate on God's word. What we're talking about is to actually go beyond just reading the text, to actually examine it, to go, Jesus, what are you trying to teach me about yourself through this text? That question doesn't come easily. It takes work. It takes effort. 
And then the next step is to apply it. God, how does this apply to me? How does this apply to my life, God? And I'm telling you, guys, if you do this, if you take the steps of, we call this REAP, to read, examine, apply, and then to pray, if you take that step of even applying it to your life, God's word is going to come alive to you in ways you never imagined. So I imagine for most of you, and for myself included, a lot of the times this can feel just like an ancient document. It can feel like a book we need to come to whenever we're in trouble, when we need help. But if you take the time and you take the effort of actually applying God's word to your life, it is going to come alive and speak to you in ways you never imagined. It's a living word. And Jesus wants to meet with you through it. And lastly, consistency. So time, effort, consistency. With consistency, I want to challenge you to find a Bible reading plan. Our church has one. Tyler's going to mention it in the announcements. We'll tell you more about that. But here's what a Bible reading plan is going to do. A Bible reading plan is going to force you to, to sit in scriptures that you're not familiar with. It's going to make you go down parts of the scriptures that you're like, man, I, honestly, I'm not familiar with what's going on here. And it's kind of confusing to me. But here's what Jesus is doing. It's kind of like going up a mountain. Like if you ever go for a hike and you're climbing up the mountain, there's like one main trail usually. That's kind of the main trail, the main thoroughfare. And a lot of you might be really familiar with some parts of the scriptures. But what Jesus will do through a Bible reading plan is he's going to take you on different trails that still go further up, further in, and he still wants to show you brand new parts of himself through the reading of his word. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. And it will take consistency. Which probably leads us to the most important question we could end with today. Is any of that worth it? It's a lot of work. Is any of this worth it to actually be in God's word every single day for 2018? Is it worth it? Why is it worth building a relationship with Jesus? And the answer is, a relationship with Jesus is honestly unlike any other relationship you could have here. There is no relationship this side of heaven that you can have that is like Jesus's. I want to show you in the word how he talks about relationship with him. Look again at John 8, 31, this time verse 36 included. Here's what it says. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then verse 36, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus' offer for us this morning is true freedom. True freedom is not just getting what you want. True freedom is getting what you need. And Jesus' offer this morning is come to me. I will give you truth. I will give you the one verdict over your life that can actually set you free. But here's the hard part. You and I, as much as we might think we believe that, practically what we do is we think there are so many other people whose words matter more than Jesus in my life. Like, real honestly, there are people in my life that I deep down think, if they gave me some verdict, some truth over who I am, then I would be satisfied. Then I would be free. So for me, the way this has looked is, honestly... Christian leaders, 
men that God has used to help shape me even from afar. This is for me. I just look up to these guys. I admire them. I respect them. And so I think, man, if I only had Tyler David's word of, man, dude, that was awesome. You're so great. Or if I had Matt Carter say something like, dude, I listened to your sermon. It was incredible. Way to go. I'm all in. I would receive that and go, I think right now hearing that, I'd go, yeah, that, that's what I want. That's how I'd actually be satisfied. That's how I'd be free. As if the verse says something like, so if Matt Carter sets you free, you're going to be free indeed, right? It's crazy, but you and I think like this. So who's that person for you? Who's that person that maybe you respect or maybe you're honestly just admiring Maybe it's a, a person of the opposite sex that you're just like, man, if they liked me, if they loved me, if we were together, then I would know what it's like to be satisfied. Then I would know what it's like to be free. If I had this person's approval, I would finally know what it means to be free indeed. But what happens when you get that? It fades like crazy fast. It fades in an instant. I remember uh, this happened to me this month. Uh, We had this baptism service for our downtown campus where there was like 46 people who got baptized. It was incredible. And I was the one in charge of running the baptism service, kind of coming up with the plan, helping people move through the flow. And the night blew my mind. There was like standing room only. We were breaking all kinds of fire codes. It was incredible. And to me, that's honestly how I judge most events. I'm like, if we're breaking fire code, it was a good event. If it wasn't, terrible. But when I thought about it, I was looking forward to hearing Tyler, our campus pastor. I was looking forward to hearing Aaron Ivey, who was leading us in worship, to come up to me and go, dude, that was incredible. Way to go. That's what I was looking for. And it happened. And when they said it, I was like, yeah, that was pretty good. And at first I received it and I was like, oh man, there it goes. It's fading. Nope. Yep. 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 It's gone. And I was like, I'm on to the next thing. What's the next thing I can get to satisfy me? We are enslaved to all kinds of things and people. If I could just get that, then I would have what I'm looking for. Friends, true freedom isn't just getting what you want. That fades. True freedom is getting what you need. And here's why Jesus is the only person who can give you true freedom. The people in your life who you think can give it to you, they can't because they have their own issues. They're just as sinful. They're just as loaded up with other things that their own neediness. So when you come up to a person or you come up to even a job or whatever you're looking for and you expect them to give you that verdict, that truth to set you free, even if they give it to you, they might just be speaking out of their own insecurity, right? They might be speaking out of their own neediness. They might not even be telling you the truth. The best that people can do is point you to the way that truth is ultimately found. The best they can do is point you to where true freedom flows from through the person of Jesus. Think about this. Jesus had none of the insecurities. He had none of the burdens, none of the weaknesses, none of the sin that the people around you and I and that we ourselves have. He was completely free. Never once was he enslaved to people's approval. 
Never once was he spiraling out of control, thinking, oh gosh, i got to tell them something so that they like me. I hope that I get a good reaction out of them. No. Jesus was totally free. He says, free indeed. And how does he respond to you and I? Needy, insecure people, when we come to him. What he offers us is truth. Unfiltered, hundred proof truth. And it is the greatest truth you could imagine. Only Jesus' truth can actually pierce down at that level that you're longing for, that approval level that you're seeking, that control level. Only Jesus can get to that level because only Jesus is totally free. And when we get there, he meets us with open arms and says, come to me. No matter how faithful you've been, no matter what 2017 has looked like, come to me. I have what you're looking for. So let me just ask you, why not in 2018, why not just skip all the steps of going to one person and they approve of you and you're like, okay, who's their supervisor? Let me go to them and just keep going up and up and up. The highest point of where you can go is God himself. Why not just go to God himself every single morning and be reminded everything you need is in Jesus? This is a relationship worth sacrificing everything for. No matter the time, no matter the effort, no matter the consistency, I'm telling you, Jesus is the one who knows how to set you free. That's a relationship worth sacrificing for. And as you do, let me challenge you to remember this. Do you realize, like, Jesus had to sacrifice infinitely more than you and I ever can just to know you and just to give you the freedom that he offers to you this morning? Jesus had to sacrifice his blood. He had to sacrifice his obedience. He sacrificed everything so that you and I could know, so we could taste and see, do the things that we were singing this morning, that we would taste and see that he is good, that there is true freedom to be found. Jesus has sacrificed far more than you and I ever could. And so we turn to him every morning to his word, giving him time, giving him effort, giving him consistency, because he's already done far more than we ever could. He has true freedom for us. The way I want to end this morning is to caution you to what tomorrow morning might look like for you. You hear something like this and you're like, man, that's compelling. I want the person. I want someone, not something. And so tomorrow you might be like what I usually do, open up January 1 thinking like, dude, I'm all in. Here we go. And then it's just like kind of bland. It's kind of ordinary. You open it up the scriptures and you're like, I'm still kind of confused of what's going on here. Did I waste my time? Is all of this kind of like a waste if I didn't have this awesome application to my life? And here's what I want to encourage you. Don't judge your Bible reading by how emotional or how epic it felt that morning. What Jesus wants to do is he wants to use everyday, ordinary moments to shape you to look more like him. And here's the crazy part. Jesus likes to show up in the ordinary moments. He likes to show up in the ordinary moments where you were just choosing to be faithful. And he shows you these incredible insights into his word. And he gives you these amazing applications to your life. That's actually how those incredible moments start. It starts with ordinary moments of faithfulness. So what Jesus wants to do is he wants to take ordinary moments of faithfulness and he wants to turn them into extraordinary moments of fruitfulness. But those moments of fruitfulness only start when we come to his word 
every morning, seeking someone, not something. Which is why Jesus says to all of us this morning, if we believe in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let's pray together. Jesus, it is an incredible thought to think that you, the perfect one, God in the flesh, chose to spend your days, your early mornings, God, when you've been far more tired, far more burdened than we ever could. You had infinite task lists ahead of you. You're way busier, God, than we ever could be. And yet, what did you do, Jesus? You went to the word. You called it daily bread. You depended on it. You lived on it. You tasted the love that you had with the Father before you went about your work, before you interacted with any people, God. You were reminded, here's the faithfulness of God. Here's the love that I have. Here's the freedom that I have. Jesus, you knew what it was like to be free. And you did not limit yourself by going to other things. You lived, you abided, you stayed in the word, God. If you had to do that, how much more, Jesus, do I and do my friends here this morning need to stay in your word? And so, Jesus, would you give us a heart that wants someone, not something from your word, God? Would we treat you, would we love you by loving your word? God, we can't change our loves. We can't change our desires. So I plead with you, Holy Spirit, give me, give my friends in here, new desires every morning for you, Jesus. We pray these things in your name.